Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I'm going to give a very warm welcome to Susanna Yee of Digital Everything, a Los Angeles-based digital marketing consulting firm that serves a global clientele. Susanna is a marketing expert and a pioneer in the field of social media and influencer marketing and helps companies and brands learn how to create effective strategy-driven influencer marketing campaigns that result in ROI. Over the last 11 years, Suzanne has worked with clients including Guest Jeans, Kate Spade, One Coconut Water, and Lucky Magazine. Her team's Guest Color Me Inspired campaign went viral, with Mashable naming it as one of their five interesting Pinterest marketing campaigns. Additionally, Suzanne has been featured in eHow, Bloomberg, Business Wire, and most recently on Thinkific. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about influencer marketing needs from the brand side. We'll learn what has worked from her experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where people are missing the mark. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, super happy to have you. I am always thrilled to talk to someone else who specializes in influencer marketing. I love chatting about the topic and love getting other people's insight on how to make it best work for brands. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about your background and what you got you to where you are doing what you do today? Yeah, so um, I actually started off working in business development in uh, 2000, and that's when I actually entered the space of uh, startups and you know digital and uh, technology and the internet and the whole thing. And um, I, I ended up in business development for a few years, and then uh, sort of migrated to digital marketing, and then found my way to social media marketing, which I really enjoyed. And um, in 2010, I actually started my own um, consulting agency. And uh, for a few years, I partnered with a bigger firm that offered a, a lot of things, you know, um, uh, uh, development, web development, SEO, SEM, uh, graphic design. And also uh, on my part, I brought in the social media and the PR. Um, and then I, I did that for a few years, but then I went back on my own again. So um, that's kind of the story. And um, I also had a personal blog on the side that uh, grew with popularity. People really enjoyed it. And um, brands started calling me to do certain collaborations. And then when they came to town, they said, could you find us some bloggers to do an event? And then that sort of started my agency career. That's awesome. So you really started because you were an influencer and brands recognized they got value from working with you and thought that you could help link them into other influencers and network and do the same thing with them. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really great way to start out a business versus just saying, I'm going to start doing this. You had a need and you filled it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I, I like I really like both sides of it, but I really enjoy the other side of it more. You know, just working with the brands and helping educate them and helping them uh, understand how it is, what it is to, that, that they need to do to work with influencers and how to how to get the most out of um, their partnerships and collaborations and uh you know, just seeing it from the other side, from the perspective of the influencer, I'm always able to uh, make sure that the campaign works for the brand. Okay. So why do you think influencer marketing is one of the best marketing tactics out there? 
I just think that it is amazing because of the uh, cost involved, the co how cost effective it is. For example, if you were just to put together a Google ad, uh, you have to have a copywriter, you have to have a graphic designer, you have to have a photographer or a videographer, um, and then you have to have somebody who's going to do the digital ads, you know, the paid, the paid, the paid ads person. Um, but, you know, when you hire a person who's an influencer slash blogger, they are an all-in-one person and they come with an audience. So, I mean, there you have a content creator, you have a videographer, a photographer, you have a content creator, you have a person who's already a marketer of themselves. And then on top of that, you have a, a model, like they're modeling the inside the photo too. You don't even have to hire a model and you don't have to hire a copywriter to write the, the copy. So it, it's, I think it's a great deal. And then they have an audience that's waiting to listen to, to what they're saying. Your words sound like they're coming from my mouth. It's what I say to people all the time because there are so many hats that influencers actually wear that I don't think brands really truly understand that it's, it's a dual opportunity. It's not only that you're getting a fan base, which is what, you know, the brands really always think about. What I think a lot of brands forget about is that value of that content that's being created that is just so killer and involves so much time for someone to actually create. Yeah, I, I that's, and, and it's, it's been a whole education process um, throughout all my brand um, client partnerships with collaborators. And even today, you know, you, you see a lot of white papers out there and comments all over on LinkedIn and everywhere else about how people, they, they just, I don't think they appreciate what the legit influencers do. And of course, you know, the sad thing is like any market, there are illegit, they're not, there are some people who aren't legit influencers. And so that kind of ruins it for a lot of people. So, yeah, but I think there's a lot, I think the main that we've run across are people who are really vested in what they do. Maybe you have to dig in and make sure that you're qualifying people before you work with them. But I think most of the influencers, whether they're nano and small or micro and building or macro or celebrity, they they get it. They know their own brand and they actually really value their fan base and they really take care to make content and have conversations that they think are going to be impactful. I agree. I mean, they wouldn't have started these um, blogs or um, you know, started posting about what they post about if they weren't passionate about it because when they started out, there's no guarantee that they were going to get where they are. Right. So where do you think influencer marketing makes big wins for brand partnerships? I think um, influencer marketing is a big win for, you know, B2C, of course, that the whole industry. Um, but in terms of bringing people to just brand, you know, brand recognition, I think they're, they're not seeing the value of that. I think a lot of times people are thinking, well, in terms of ROI, they're always thinking, well, I, if I didn't make a sale on it or I didn't get a click through, I didn't get an email, I didn't win. But I mean, how many times do you drive by a billboard before you even decide you're going to watch that Netflix show at least 20, 30 times, right. you know? So, uh, and these brand partners, these influencer marketers, usually when you do something with them, they make, they put it everywhere. You know, they're, they're putting a billboard on every street corner for the, you in front of their audience. When you do a partnership with them, you get a lot of value from them. 100% completely agree. And we constantly see brands who are saying, oh, you know, how many downloads will I get? How much sales will I make happen? And our counsel always is to look at brand, um, influencer marketing more so as building brand awareness 
versus trying to drive that, even though there's some brands out there that do awesome at getting, you know, diet pills, magic potions and lotions and gummy hair products, lots of sales, <laughs> but it's not what yes, most brands yes. No. And I, I think, and also I think sometimes people are um, just not patient enough to see some of the results. Uh, it, they're, you're planting seeds and um, sometimes those results come a few months later and then they all come at once. Right. Right. hundred percent. You have to stick in long enough with a campaign in order to actually reap the results. When you're doing influencer marketing, how long do you, since I just said that, how long do you usually try to have a brand do a campaign? Do you usually do projects or do you usually do like a longer term plan of, you know, three, six, 12 months at a time of partnerships. What do you suggest people do? I suggest that if you can do a uh, three months, at least partnership per campaign, per influencer, that will, you will start seeing results probably in the third month. I mean, some influencers, you see results right away, but usually when they're posting the first time, um, and talking about it on their blogs and, you know, on video and in their stories, um, their audience is saying, hmm, I, I, let, me, let me know how that goes. You know, it's sort of like your friends, like when your friend tries something new, let me know how that goes. And then like a month later, you go, hey, how's that going? You know, so, I mean, I think that's what we have to think about. We're having basically a dialogue where these people are having a dialogue for the brand right. to their friends, basically. And so, yeah, three months from now, how's that diet pill working for you? Okay, that's that's really what it means. I mean, right. So, um, or, or how's that, how's that teeth whitener working for you three months later? So that's what they have to think about. Okay. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions to influencer marketing that you come across when you're talking with brands? Just how much time it takes. Um, they don't understand. They think that if they give something to, to an influencer for free, that they're going to just post about it. Um, and also just, um, sending, finding an influencer that's the right target influencer for their target demographic takes time. Uh, not every influencer is going to want to do every single project that comes across their email uh, and, and the negotiation that's involved. So just, you know, the most time consuming thing is there are so many time consuming things in influencer marketing, but that the brands, first of all, the time, I think the time, number one thing, they're not, they're not, they're not really aware of how much right. time it takes. Um, and then the second thing is how much time it takes just to find an influencer who wants to talk about what you're talking about. Right. Do you end up using a lot of um, online databases? Do you think that solves the time problem or do you think that just creates more influencers to potentially look at versus actually solving issues? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like uh, when you go into an ice cream shop and there's too many flavors, you just yep. get very confused sometimes. And also, I mean, there are some influencers who are just great at what they do and they don't need to be on these platforms. So they're not going to be found there. Right. Agreed. And there's a lot of clutter on the platforms typically also. Yeah. And if you're organized and you're professional, you really don't need those platforms. However, if you really are, you know, just starting out and you want to get the platforms, they're not, they're not cheap, number one, but number two, um, they keep you organized for the most part, but there's a lot of things they don't do also. Yeah. So pros and cons. Okay. So how does a brand go about making influencer marketing happen and work for them? What are your suggestions there? 
Um, make sure that when you're going to start an influencer marketing campaign that you know who your target audiences are and make a list of the categories that you think you fall into and decide which two or three you're going to concentrate on and then find influencers in those categories and make a list. And um, that's number one. And then uh, just be very organized about who you go out to and, and, and what you ask them to do. Um, and then make sure you have a budget before you even start because a lot of brands think that they can just send free products and they'll get something done. I think some people will do things for nothing depending on how passionate they are, but most people need to get paid because they have rent to pay. Um, and then also internally, I don't think brands understand how much work they're going to need to do on their end uh, internally to get the work done. And that is almost like a part-time person's work. And um, so that's something to be aware of. So what do you mean by that? Can you give us a little bit more detail on your insights on what, what that means that the brand's gonna need to get done on their side? Cause it's not just magically emailing someone and saying, hey, you wanna do this and it's done. There's a lot to yeah, it. Yeah, so I mean, if you're doing it internally as a brand and you don't have a firm working for you, um, it would be best to have a part-time person who probably has 20 hours of extra time a week and this person will be spending their time looking for the right influencers, making a list, getting buy-in from the internal CMO, uh, VP of marketing, VP of digital, whoever, VP of PR. So, you know, there's a lot of buy-in internally. You have to work with the CFO to get your budget. Um, you have to work with legal to make sure all your FTC rules are in place and what they're going to be talking about. You have to get everybody in agreement on what the campaign is about. And that's before you get started. And then after you reach out to the influencers, there's a lot of back and forth with negotiations, with the contracts, with the fees, with what they're going to do and what they're not going to do and when they can do it and when they can finish it. And then once the content starts coming in, you have to funnel it to all the right departments to make sure it gets approved. And then you have to send it back to them if it needs revising and you have to be very organized. And then when it finally gets published, somebody has to go and make sure that they actually did what they were supposed to do because um, depending on what your product is, but the FTC is very strict about everyone now that every, every hashtag is in place for if it's a paid ad and um, that they're saying what they're supposed to say if they're making claims. So there's a lot of work involved. There is a ton of work involved. Okay. And so when they're going through here and they're spending their 20 plus hours a week uh, with all of that, what do you think, where are the areas besides the FTC that they can make a colossal mess of this, where it just is not going to go in the right direction? What have you seen with well, case studies, uh, campaigns you've done or case studies? I think the main thing is that people think that they're doing an influencer campaign and the influencer is going to make it magically happen for them. Mm -hmm. Um, internally, you have to make sure that you're going to leverage that content and amplify it and make it work for you. You own that content now, so do something with it on your end. Um, and I think a lot of times the campaigns fall flat because they just think that, okay, I paid this person. They're going to magically make it happen. But it's just one component of your whole holistic marketing situation. Yeah, we see that a lot where we'll do influencer marketing campaigns for brands. And we're like, great. We don't have control over their socials. We can't reshare through them. We can't actually go in as the brand and even like what the social influencer said about the brand and the campaign we created. And it can be like 
really, really difficult getting someone on the brand side to take the steps to do all of those things. And it just seems like it's so natural. And it's one of those number one areas I think people miss. Yes, totally. They just, um, I don't know what they're, you know, a lot of times I think they just don't know that they need to. And um, I think that's the number one conversation that people need to have internally that right. we're on board and we have the bandwidth to handle it when it comes. And it's a lot. And um, when, you know, if you have, if you're onboarding 20 influencers and then all their content's coming through and it needs, you know, the digital department to suddenly start funneling it through amplifying ads and things like that. And they have to, they have to do that. And, and then everything else that they're doing, it, it's a whole other job. Yeah. Plus it's also capturing all the content, not only to make sure that it's, you know, through the FTC, FCC regulations that everything's signed off on, but that they actually did what you contracted and paid them to do because sometimes things slip through the cracks just a little bit here and there. Oh yeah. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then there's like Instagram stories too. And if you don't catch them within 24 hours, you're not going to catch it unless they caught it and that they share it with you. So you have to be kind of fast and timely on these things, right? Totally. Um, you have to be on it and you have to let them know that you will need them to get it to you. Hopefully they'll, they'll do that. But a lot of times they don't. Um, it's pretty amazing considering, I don't know if I get paid to do something, I make sure I do it, but it's, it, it happens. So but more than you think. So it's, it's your responsibility as the brand to make sure that you get what you need out of it. Yeah, I think what happens with influencers, because we're dealing with people from all spectrums in all different times in their own lives, and a lot of influencers, if not the majority of influencers, still have daytime jobs that they're doing, um, where they're not full-time influencers posting and doing brand collaborations and deals out there, that it's harder for them to kind of stay on top of things themselves and they aren't necessarily always very business minded. They're sometimes more creative minded. And so dotting the I's and crossing the T's gets left out. And that's why you have to have someone either at your agency or your brand side going in there and making sure everything actually comes to fruition that was in black and white on paper. Yes, I agree. And to your point, um, that is more legwork for the whoever it is that's in charge of that part of it. Yeah. That's why people should outsource to agencies. Makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What type of contracts do you typically suggest people put in place with influencers? I really think that a, an influencer should be a long-term partnership. And, um, you know, if you identify somebody that you like, make sure that you have something with them in place for at least six months because that person, uh, if they're doing enough for you and getting you enough attention, even if you don't think they're getting the sales from it, your competitors watching. And as soon as you let them loose, you know, they don't have to be um, loyal to you anymore. They're going to be snatched up by your competitor and you've already done all the legwork for them. They already, that space is already created for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're the brand that's going to come in and they're going to say, oh, she's not drinking Pepsi now. She's drinking Coke now. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to buy a, that kind of a beverage. So. Right. So 
Do you think, like, when you're doing influencer contracts and creating partnerships, do you know from the get-go that you want to work with that influencer for the next six months, or do you try to do a test campaign with them to see how it vets out, or how do you dive in to determine if the individual you're working with is actually going to be worth it for the long haul? Uh, well, a lot of times we ask for um, staff if they're willing to give them, that's the first positive. Um, and especially if you're paying somebody a good amount, uh, you know, I know, I understand with nano influencers, you probably can't get a lot, but some of the bigger micro influencers do have information and they're pretty organized now they're getting there. And, you know, you can ask for like, how did it, how did the last campaign go? And if they really want the job, they'll, they'll give you that information. Um, or they might give you an insight on Google analytics. They might let you see that. Uh, and you can always check on your own. You, uh, you can you can sort of figure it out by looking at some of their stats on um, different things like SEMrush or um, Alexa and, and just comparing notes on certain campaigns that you've seen and what you think is happening. You can sort of see what's happening with certain campaigns. So um, I, I would say that. And then just your dialogue with them should tell you a lot of things about how confident they feel about how it's going to go. Okay. And you mentioned a moment ago, we kind of glossed over, and I want to deep dive here, costs. So costs to work with influencers. How do you suggest brands come up and budget for influencer partnerships? So there are a lot of ways to look at fees, but there are some standard fees now that are out there, and, uh, you know, they get paid per thousand uh, for certain follower numbers and everybody seems to be using those. So across the board, if you're just asking them to post on social, there are some 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 standard numbers out there uh, that you're paying them. So if they have 10,000 followers, you're giving them $100 for a social or platform post. So that's kind of the guide for that. But if beyond that, if you're asking them to do extra things like create a video or um, you know show up for an event or things like that, you, you kind of have to play it by ear based on you know what your budget is. But I would say, if you have somebody who has 50,000 followers, um, be prepared to pay them $500 to do something for you uh, because that's what they're getting paid. Um, and, and usually if they're doing more than that, they're getting more. So um, I would say per influencer on average, if they're getting, if they have 50,000 followers, they're probably making, you know, $500. Okay. And then when you're looking at the fees, are you also looking at their engagement? So as far as, you know, someone obviously could have 50,000 followers and they could have extremely low engagement, which could show that they just don't have real followers or they uh, just don't have engaged followers or they picked them up, you know, from doing contests or doing different things and people just aren't really looking at their posts. Do you try to adjust your CPM payment, your, you know, hundred dollars per thousand people based off of how highly engaged someone actually is? Yeah, for sure. Um, and also if they're not getting the engagement, I usually don't recommend working with them because, what is the point of that? Right. And do you like working with the smaller influencers versus larger influencers when you're putting together brand campaigns? How do you decide who should go into the basket of uh, potentials that you're looking at? Um, I think it depends on what the brand needs. Sometimes the brands, there are certain clients who have brand, you know, that have maybe they've already done their big PR campaign and they have a big endorsement deal and they have a couple of celebrities on board and now they're looking 
to you know dig in deep and target their target audiences and so then 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 my job is really to find the micro influencers in their target categories to work with them and that's where i concentrate but if you go in and it's a fresh start startup brand that doesn't have anything um i'm i'm i would recommend engaging with a macro influencer just to get the party started as they say right <laughs> um and get people interested because uh usually if there's nothing um everybody's afraid to come on board and the macros will come on board first because obviously they know they're brand builders and you pay them more um and then everybody else will follow suit but if you don't have an endorsement or some kind of spokesperson especially for some product that other people have endorsed endorsement brands with uh, you know with somebody who's either a celebrity or reality star or a large macro influencer uh, that's something that I highly suggest. Okay. And then when you are casting and looking for these influencers, how do you do your outreach? How do you actually engage with them and start the conversation? So I recommend uh, an email because nobody really emails anymore. Uh, I mean, you, you get a ton of emails from like PR people, you know, you get a press release or something like that, you know, but but if you're, but if you're reaching out and you write the right subject line, you should get an answer. Of course, you probably have to try a few times because influencers, if they're popular, they get you know 25 to 50 emails a day. Um, and so, if you don't get them first thing in the morning, or if they're traveling, you might not hear from them. But they're not really, if they're popular enough, it's hard enough to get in with a DM. Uh, you know, if you have, if you can get their information with. Um, an email, I really highly suggest that first and just start the ball rolling there. Try a few times if you have to. And it's not because uh, it's just they're just getting a lot of emails. But right. I, think, I still think that's the best way. Do you end up working with their management once they become a little bit bigger often? Or do you still usually work directly with one-on-one -on -one influencers or influencers who don't have management representing them? Um, a lot of time, I a lot of times I work out, I work directly with the influencers, but um, the bigger ones all have management now um, with all the firms that you know of that represent all our celebrities. Right. And so I, I go, I go straight to their, their talent agents now, a lot of them. Okay. And those are a little bit steeper pricing sometimes and a little bit more detailed contracts sometimes as well, as far as expectations, right? Oh, a lot more. And also, you know, if they've been on television, there's consequences like SAG, union, things like that. And so you have to consider that when you're hiring them as well. Okay. And then we touched on this. I'm totally not going in order of anything. I'm just lobbing out questions to you right now. But when the campaign is finished and there is content that's been created, and we already touched on the fact that um, brands sometimes fail miserably at actually going in and even liking the own content that the influencer produced for them, <laughs> yeah. much less saying yeah. anything about it. This is really common, guys. Yeah. Everyone listening yeah. here going, of course we'd go in and like, no, like it doesn't happen <laughs> like a lot. Like <laughs> it's so frequent that brands don't go in and comment or like or share even back to their own social feeds, whatever the influencer posted. I mean, it's... It's amazing, <laughs> right? I know. You're, yeah. you're laughing. <laughs> because it's really, it's that true. It's like people are just like, oh, yeah, they did that. I don't need to do anything with it. But there's more you can mm -hmm. do with contents, too, if you've negotiated in the contract where you actually might want to um, 
you know, find other ways to share the content that was created. It might cost you more fees. Is that something that you usually work with with influencers to get rights to that content so the brand has a limited window of time where they could repurpose digitally or through their web or uh, do other things with the content that's produced by that influencer? Yes, absolutely. There is um, a rights usage time content um, with video and with images and Sometimes if you're using video that was shot by a videographer or a photographer that's well known, you have to license that from them before you can even sign the contract with the, with the talent. They might not even sometimes own the rights to some of their stuff. Um, but if, you're, if they're shooting it directly for you or, or getting it shot directly with someone, then you, know, you might be negotiating with two people sometimes too with okay. time. And uh, usually the requirement is, you know, I mean, usually it's like, how long do you think you're going to use it for? They're, they're looking usually six months to a year at a time. Yep. And then going back into time, since you mentioned that, how long do you usually suggest brands contract to have the post stay up on the feed? Because listeners, oftentimes, influencer after they get paid if they don't have it in their contract that they actually have to leave that post up it can come down the next day after you pay them um have you run into that Susanna yes uh we actually have it in all the we ask our clients to have it all in all the contracts that they keep it up for at least the, the campaign time period or more so if it's a three-month campaign we say please leave it up for six months um because otherwise they will take it down. Um, and then sometimes if we're doing something that is on their blog, we ask for evergreen content. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how is it different working with influencers who blog versus the Instagrammer or the YouTuber uh, instead? Because that's a little different. Yeah, it is a little different. Um, there are different personalities that too. Uh, somebody who blogs actually um, knows a little bit more in terms of technical and linking and um, understands uh, digital ads a little bit and understands the workings of the business a little bit more. So um, in terms of negotiating with them, the fees might be higher and they also offer a little bit more of a long tail of results uh, because of the way they've done the work for you. So for an evergreen content, a blog post that can live forever, that's great SEO for you. That's great authority for you. It's to drive sales, you might be getting a sale from them, you know, 12 months from now, six months from now after the campaign's over. So um, it, it, it's definitely a different, different aspect. And um, I happen to like working with influencers who have blogs. I feel like there's a lot of value there. Yeah, it's great because usually the bloggers have other types of social platforms where they'll extend the campaign onto Instagram or Facebook. Um, but you have that lovely, yummy SEO, as you mentioned, rich content that is so evergreen and lives there forever and ever more, um, building your brand. Yeah, and I, I really feel like it, it builds the brand very effectively. Um, you know, suddenly everything starts to pay off at the same time if you're, if you're, if you're investing in PR, you know, you're investing in other parts of your business. It just all comes together really nicely. Right. And do you see that a lot of brands even think about using bloggers anymore? Or are they just so focused on this, hey, there's influencers, we should use them. Do they forget about the blogger? 
I don't think they even, I think they're just like, oh my God, we need influencers. It's like somebody told them from the top, it's time to get influencers. So then everybody's like all hands on deck. Okay, today's the meeting, tomorrow, let's find something. You know, it's kind of yeah. like that. That's what I've seen internally. And then it's like, everybody's just running around, you know. Um, it's, it's not that organized uh, most of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they think about that. I mean, like, let's just give you a great example. Like, what if somebody gets kicked off of Instagram or their account gets locked out, like, you know, then they're done. They have right. nothing. Um, and, and they don't think about that. So if you only invested in Instagram influencers and Instagram's gone tomorrow, what happens to your, all your brand stuff? Well, it's beyond that even, because once you've paid the influencer and that time clock has ticked, your stuff's gone. I mean, it, it was there for a nice period of time. And people saw yeah, it, right yeah. there, but it's not like someone is ever even going to, it doesn't even matter that you don't have your content guaranteed to be up there forever. No one in their right mind is sitting on someone's Instagram account and scrolling down a hundred pages to see all the content that mm -hmm. they've created. I mean, that's insanity. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 12 blocks down, they're not looking right. So right. Yeah, that's the set. This, they, some of them post three times a day, five yeah. times a day. Yeah, you know, so if you you paid them for one post, guess where that's gone by Wednesday? Right. Gone. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I when you invest in an influencer, you have to make sure that they have um, a lot of things going on on different platforms, and that you make sure that your campaigns with all of their platforms and whatever else they have going on. Are there any great case studies that you could share that you've seen influencers work really well for different types of brands? You know, there was one that I read recently, which I really liked, which was about, um, it was by Silk, you know, that soy. Mm -hmm. This soy you know, milk alternative, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a great case study on that where um, they, had, they got so much great user-generated content, not just influencer content, but user-generated content. And they showed the ROI on that. And um, they, they did a test case on how it created so much brand recognition that um, they were tracking what people were buying at supermarkets and the lift that they saw from the sales as a result of all that user-generated content as a result of a campaign they did with influencers. That the influencers did that, uh, that asked for user-generated content. Yeah. So like some of the influencers created um, their own like, uh, you know, uh, recipes of something and then they asked their followers to create a um, recipe that, you know, like do a recipe like mine and, you know, post it with a hashtag user generated right. content, um, win the contest. And um, I don't remember what the prize was, but basically from these influencers um, and then their followers doing what they were doing, uh, it, it created just in top of mind, like people kept seeing all the recipes and everything they were talking about in the Silk brand. And, and they saw a big lift at the supermarkets from checkout line. Well, that's awesome. I'm not familiar with that one, but that was basically using nano influencers of what people are trying to say are the new, new, the new, new influencer for. Uh, <laughs> yes. So very cool. Because um, really everyone listening today, if you don't, happen to be already a celebrity or a macro or a micro influencer, you're pretty much left to be a nano influencer, which means you have <laughs> friends and family who follow you and they like what you write and they share what you like, and they're really actually tuned in. And it's been proven that 
nano-influencers and micro-influencers have a way higher engagement overall than any other type of influencer out there. So the return is really good for brands. I agree. Yeah. So where do you think brands are missing the mark right now? Where do you think that uh, they're not leveraging influencers in ways that they could be? I just think it's the, the they're not understanding what they can get out of their content. So well, number one, they're, they're not sure who they're hiring. So some people think that it's just about the numbers. You really need to find people who resonate with your target audience. If you have a specific or two types of a target audience, find an influencer who, who resembles your target audience because those people are your audience or your, your customers. Um, that's the number one thing. And then the other thing is keep that relationship with them going because it will pay off in the long run. But, you know, it's not let's get 20 influencers and work with them one time. It's why not, if that's your budget, why not do 10 people and, and invest in their relationship, invest in your relationship with them? Um, because that's what it's all about. Because you're con because the consumers are looking too and going, well, why is she talking about this vitamin today? And then next week she's talking about a different one. Right. And yeah, that just looks silliness when someone's doing the same category for different brands. I mean, obviously it makes sense if someone's talking, they're a fashion influencer and they love this dress this week and that dress next week. But it, that doesn't really extend to a lot of brand categories. It looks weird. Yeah, it does. Especially if it's like a, a vitamin that um, someone's supposed to invest in for their health and they're supposed to be taking it every single day. You know, um, that's, that's that that kind of a relationship you should invest in. Do you ever look at doing partnership deals where you're actually um, on a higher level? You know, you're you're the vitamin company, but you are working now with the influencer to help them create their own limited line and additions of products. Because that's another way that you can use influencers of different sizes. Have you run across that in your practice? Um, I have, and um, a lot of you know, like apparel brands have done that with um, just, you know, creating a jean line with their name on it and then also collaborating with, um, you know, like a Nordstrom or somebody like that. And then, um, you know, then you have three partners going in and they're all invested in it. And then everybody in their whole audience is watching and everybody's doing the promotion. So it, it works out well most of the time as long as the influencer is behind it and um, understands that, you know, this is a partnership that is going to be long-term for as long as the, the, the line is in effect. So um, I think it's really important to find the right people who have, you know, the influencer who has the right people in place so that they understand the business really well. Right. And that they know that they're actually taking this as a business opportunity and that it's not now that they're just being the face of the brand, but they're actually helping grow a brand. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting a part of it and they need to be invested in it and their business owner mindset and what that means and how that means in every way, in every aspect of their business and in their life. Yeah. So where do you think influencer marketing is going to evolve? I think it's going to get to the point where the good ones are going to rise to the top. And then there are some emerging ones that are going to start learning the business. And then the ones who are not doing what they're supposed to do are going to fall to the wayside. But it's almost like, you know, the acting category where there's a lot of um, extras and things like that. I think the brands are going to start to learn their lessons in terms of um, 
even with nano influencers, they, you have to find people that are reliable. And um, I think a lot of brands think that if they could just give away free products, they're going to get something out of it. But sometimes what you're giving, even in your free product, whatever that free product costs you, it might not be worth it what you get back in terms of content because you can't rely on it. So um, I would say pick carefully in terms of giving away free products and that the the brands are going to start learning some lessons on that part of the business. Um, and then I think it's going to really start to evolve. And um, it, it's already starting to evolve where people are really starting to understand a lot. People are starting to understand what this business means and how we have to take it very seriously whenever someone's using your product and talking about it. Yeah. And I think what, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, brands really oftentimes you guys don't have, the realization of how much time finding these influencers, no matter what the size, it takes just as much time finding a nano influencer, someone who's small and working with them and talking with them and contracting with them and um, getting the uh, points to be agreed to and shipping out the product and then making sure they have the product and following up to make sure that they're going to do the post and then looking at the post and approving the post before it goes, if that's what you're doing and then making sure after it's posted that everything's accurate and then capturing the post and doing a report on the post. That takes as much time as doing something with a much larger influencer. And so even though you're not paying the nano influencer any money, your time or your agency's time is gonna be in a lot, in the hundreds of dollars. I mean, whatever someone charges, it's not that it took them two hours to do all of that. It's going to be a lot of man hours to actually get that done. So it might actually be a better spend of time to put together a higher dollar budget to pay for influencers sometimes that have some broader reach as well. I agree. Yeah. Because it really takes a lot of time. It does. It does. And, it, and you know, it takes more time than anybody thinks internally. And that's the whole brand education thing. Um, and then also for the influencer, I mean, if if they wanna do a good job too. So they have to go out and shoot it. They have to write the blog post if they're writing a blog post, even the content. Um, just If they're just posting for you across the platforms it's two hours, but then you want them to write a blog post, you also want them to shoot something and put it in um, the photos. I mean, that's, that's at least another three, four hours. Right. And so all of a sudden you've taken up the main part of at least one day for someone to have decided to move forward working with you on the collaboration down to the point of making sure you have all the assets that you need at the final end of that collaboration. So that's definitely worth time to pay people money for. Yes, I agree. So I also understand you have a new course on how to work with influencers from the brand side. Can you share a little bit more on those details with our listeners? Sure. So the I, I just feel like there's a lot of um, education that needs to be done on the brand side, but also there are people on the brand side that the brand feels can do the work. And so I would love um, the brands to really understand how the work needs to be done so that it can be done properly. And so from the brand side, I have a course called um, Learn Influencer Marketing, like just the roadmap. And it's like a cookbook, basically. And it starts from start to finish, how to find your target influencer, um, how to hone down and, and create a list to figure out which ones you should be working with, how to develop a budget, 
you know, what kind of strategy to put to, in place, um, what your goals are for the campaign, um, and then tracking and templates and what kind of tools to use um, as and also FTC rules and sample um, sample scripts to use for reaching out to people, sample templates to, that you can use that I've used over the years to track internally um, the what's going on with every department that needs to either approve a piece of content or send it back for revising. Um, if legal needs to take a look at it, have they looked at it yet? Um, to you know your master sheet with your budget on it that your you and your CMO or your VP needs to look at um, to track the campaign as a whole and um, it's from A to Z so and it's an eight-week course and when people are done they can follow it all along the way and actually have a campaign by the time they're done. I think that's great especially the part with the templates because that's mm -hmm. something that can be a massive time saver for people. Yeah, it takes time to create those templates and whether or not they work and who they should be for. And I have templates for working with the internal teams to just the master sheet to the external teams, if they have even external PR team to um, just tracking the, the, the influencers and who you've worked with and, and what, you know, who their followers are and who you're tracking. Um, and, and also videos, videos that explain a lot of that too. And so we're going to be sharing access to this awesome material uh, actually with this podcast. So it will be in the show notes section and everyone will be able to find it on our website and we will be able to help you get those templates by doing that. And then Susanna, what are some last bits of advice that you have that you want to send our listeners away with today? I think there's going to be a rise in talent agencies for for micro influencers. I mean, all the big influencers have UTA and CAA, but um, the, I think there's going to be a micro influencer. There's lots of those agencies. I think they're going to start popping up. Yeah, they are. And, but then it's just going to add to the overall costs of everything too, from, you know, even having brands and we run into so much that brands have this issue with trying to figure out the justification of why they should pay an agency to do this. Cause I literally have them say, we can have an intern do this. And my response yeah, is, yeah. yes, yes, you can have an intern do it. It will not be done well, but you can have an intern do it. Yes. <laughs> and when you're ready to go bigger, let us know. And we're happy to work with you then. I always just, I, I show them what the successful campaigns look at, look like. You know, sometimes I show them like a silk milk, you know, the soy milk campaign, or I point out a few good campaigns and I'll say, here's all the things they did. So I just want to make sure you understand you have to do all of these things. But that doesn't mean that everybody has buy-in because maybe it's owned, maybe the influencer program is owned by the, by the PR, you know, side of the business and the digital side of the business hates them, you know, <laughs> whatever. Right. They just refuse to do it. They refuse to do the work to amplify, you right. know, <laughs> or they don't, you know, or they don't have the budget and why should they spend it to make PR successful? You know, so right. that too, but, but yeah, they can get an intern to do it, but the intern won't know what they're doing they, and yeah. it won't work. And then they'll say, oh, see, influencer marketing doesn't work. Some, when the brands get it, they're great. Like I had a brand who um, I worked with for about two years and then that contract ended and then um, they are still using those same influencers and it's worked out really well for them. So I'm happy to see that. Um, and those influencers, I do other things with them. They're happy too, but um, it's, it's rare. But if they listen, it's great. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. So, I mean, influencer marketing is super powerful. It makes major things happen for brands. It builds massive awareness. It can be a sales driver, but 
brands have to kind of dip their toe in and actually try it in order to see if it's going to work. Yeah. And what scares me actually, or not scares me, but um, I just hate seeing it is all these people out there who don't know what they're doing and they say that they do this work yep. and um, that's making it really not good. So yeah. um, I always, so I'm actually grateful for these kind of podcasts because, you know, if actually people listen to them, then they'll know like, okay, well, at least these people know what they're talking about. Someone out there knows. So yeah. <laughs> it's us, man. It's us. <laughs> I really think that um, people have to understand that this is a business for the influencers as well. And it's very time consuming for them. And if you want to work with somebody um, that you should understand that what you're giving them in terms of monetary value fees, or even um, what you're negotiating, even if it's free product, that um, it's a two way street. It's a relationship and people need to understand that it is a relationship and that sometimes you might not get who you want to work on your campaign because maybe they're just not feeling it. So um, you never know. And, and so it, it's really about you're dealing with people. And if you want your campaign to succeed, you, you really make sure you understand that human element of it before and when you start your campaign. A hundred percent agree. You have said so many things that I swear come out of my mouth every day. So really, really, you do know what you're talking about. And I really did enjoy having you on our show today. And I know our listeners are getting tremendous value out of this conversation. So thank you very, very much. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you more in more detail in the near future. And for all of our listeners, I will chat with you all again on our next podcast. Thank you all so much. 